travel for me had always been um, another option at life. And, you know, what kind of an opportunity to control the environment that you're in and the space that you occupy. And that's what I want for people of color and black people to see travel as is not necessarily an escape from your daily life or, you know, a temporary relief, but an option for you to choose yourself and choose uh, rest and choose leisure and choose quality of life. Um, so that's what that's what travel means to me in the black community. The following podcast is an American Influencer Council production. Welcome to Creators with Influence, a podcast on the intersection between the creator economy and digital culture, where entrepreneurs come to share empowered stories. Kiana Smith-Brunito is a creator advocate, champion of lifelong learning, and movement maker. Karsten Tannis, known as Skinny Was Here, is a solopreneur, internationally recognized multimedia creator, and a promoter of creative inclusivity. Together, Together they, they are, are your, your hosts. hosts. So, Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today on Creators with Influence. Can you please let everyone know a little bit more about yourself? Thank you so much for having me. My name is Gabby Beckford, and I am a travel influencer and content creator at the platform Pax Light. And we help people seek risk, seize opportunity, and see the world with my travel content, which is educational and yet entertaining. As a business savvy Gen Zer, you've taken control over your personal and professional growth by being self employed and touting yourself as a full time digital nomad since 2021. Can you please tell us a bit about your generation changing professional norms and why that's important to you? Yeah, I think that for me, growing up, I hadn't really heard about entrepreneurship being spoken about as an option. Um, my dad is first generation, moved here from Jamaica when he was 12 years old. And I think for him, growing up, he instilled in us that we had to have a secure job. That's the common immigrant parent story, right? Like doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I was going to be an engineer. I fell right into that stereotype. Um, but it wasn't until I got to college, started hanging around more of my peers, a more diverse group of individuals and more of my generation when I started hearing about people having side gigs or side hustles or going into entrepreneurship or even dropping out of college to pursue what they loved. And that was something that was so novel for me at the time that it really changed the way that I viewed myself and the autonomy that I had over my life, I guess. Um, becoming a doctor, lawyer, engineer was something that you did for security, not really because you necessarily had to love it. And so I think my generation is changing, shifting, I'd say, their priority from you need to be safe, you need to have a job that will, you can stay with that company for 30 years into what makes you happy? Like, um, what can you do that provides that stability for you and feeds your joy? And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with Gen Z, taking the autonomy to find out for themselves what we love to do by taking gap years, by having side hustles, by multitasking. Um, and that's what I've done. And now I built a career over it. So it kind of worked out. So I'm very happy that my generation is more flexible with what it means to be successful and have a good job because I feel like I have a great job now. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, your career path, because I also think, you know, you said your father wanted you to pursue doctor lawyer. I think anyone doing a creative trade, um, we hear this all the time. 
You know, my BA was political science pre-law. You know, from the age of five, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. There was no, there was no other option. Karsten's parents were always trying to get him to do, you know, accounting. <laughs> so I got my start as a creator um, with a hobby. Like most other influencers and creators, I know it started from passion. It was an online blog I had to share my personal accounts of my travels to answer some questions, recurring questions my family had. So instead of saying the same story every Christmas, I could say, just read this thing I wrote about it. And it turned into storytelling. It turned into having an audience that wanted to hear what happened next or where am I going next and kind of started following my journey. And so it turned from that personal diary into answering questions from a community and then to leading that community and becoming a voice for Gen Z, becoming a voice for travel and kind of a leader in the space, um, something that I never expected. So it came from a passion and it kind of took over a life of its own. I started getting reached out to by publications asking for my opinion on pieces or questions about things and social media platforms changed. I, I grew my following. I, I changed my creation style and just slowly over time, I started realizing that I really had something sustainable that was more than a hobby or more than something I did on the side. It was it was a community. It was it was a real entity that I had ownership of and responsibility for, and I wanted to grow and nurture. I think you and Carson have a lot in common, um, especially both owning travel. And I think that as creators of color, you know, I did Semester at Sea, which is 100 Days Around the World. Love you know, there were maybe a handful of Black students. One, because it was very expensive. But I would love for you both to share, you know, inspiring other people of color, BIPOC, um, to pack that suitcase, get that passport. Honestly, I feel that um, you touched something um, or you touched on something that many people don't really dive uh, deeply into, which is like building a community. Um, so I think that prior to social media, I was always involved in some sort of community, whether that was like the chess club or being a pro BMXer or just, you know, traveling around the city and taking photos. But when uh, social media really started to flourish and we started to be able to connect with people across the world in milliseconds and explore all of these different backgrounds and um, and cultures, it really opened the door to what was possible for us. And um, I think it's so important for people to really step outside of that comfort zone. I think it's something that we've ad adopted as uh, solopreneurs, but uh, realistically, uh, behind the, the solo person, there's a whole community that's like pushing us and inspiring us to do the same. So uh, is that the same for you? What's your experience like? I definitely think that for me growing up, um, my dad was in the military. And so the first travel experiences that I had were PCSing. Um, I was born in San Diego. Within my first year of life, we moved across the country to Virginia. And I've always just been kind of in an environment of adaptation, change, um, building new communities. And I didn't realize that that was what I was doing or the skills I was developing, just living my life. Um, but I also think that growing up, seeing other in a military setting, other black officers and other black military men and other black families living abroad. Um, I think 
without knowing it, it it showed me what life could be like or the options that were available for people of color and for black people to live abroad in a different place and not have to worry about, um, I don't know, gun violence in the U.S. or, or racism in, in southern U.S. Um, when we came back from Okinawa, we were in Virginia. And I, that's where I really experienced like what it was like to be black in America. And so travel for me has always been um, another option at life. And, you know, what kind of an opportunity to control the environment that you're in and the space that you occupy. And that's what I want for more people of color and black people to see travel as is not necessarily an escape from your daily life or you know, a temporary relief, but an option for you to choose yourself and choose uh, rest and choose leisure and choose quality of life. Um, so that's what that's what travel means to me in the black community. I really, I think that's super powerful because, you know, when I started doing my big travel in college and you're just meeting all of these people with different experiences and food culture and it makes you, you know, it challenges what, you know, your perceptions of how you grew up. Um, and it and it makes you a little bit stronger in who you are um, as a person of color because you're coming up against different cultures. And, and I think that, um, and then people are also more curious about you. When I, the first time I went to Japan, I mean, I thought I was like a celebrity because people <laughs> love like hip hop and like all the hip hop clubs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like that you go somewhere else and then you're like, you know, totally embraced. And if you were like, even in your own hometown. Yeah. And, and to touch on that, I think that, um, it's really um, like stepping outside of your comfort zone to be the uh, the introduction to other cultures uh, to the black community. I think that's uh, that's super important, and there's a responsibility in that. The same way that you talked about responsibility with like social media, um, the ability to offset you know stereotypes or prejudices based on you know media. When you meet someone in person, it's hard to really lean on those things. So. I think that we're we're the first introduction to a lot of these uh, a lot of these cultures, a lot of these countries to the black community. So the responsibility there is it's uh, paramount. Exactly, and I think that that is true. And for that reason, some people might be hesitant to travel abroad um, because I'm going ar- uh, abroad or having a trip for leisure. I'm going abroad for my own personal growth and my own personal experience. And suddenly, sometimes you can be saddled with. You're a representation of what it means to be a black American. If something happens to you, you need to act right. Or something happens to you, you know, you have to make sure that you're you're thinking of the community that's greater than you than just yourself. And sometimes that is kind of a responsibility that you don't want if you're just going to sit on the resort and hang out. Um, so I have to be, I mean, yeah, right. So I have to be cognizant in my content that, you know, I want to set the expectation that your travel experience is for you and that it should be you should get out of it what you want to get out of it, but also that, you know, the perception of you that that you curate um, will be seen no matter what your intentions are, what you really want out of your trip. And you kind of do have to balance both of those as a Black person traveling. I mean, existing in the U.S. and traveling abroad. 
I would say you're living the vision of your business and setting real goals for yourself. You were awarded Lonely Planet's Best in Travel Emerging uh, Voice Award, Wonderful's Bessie Awards for Trailblazer, um, Newsweek's Future of Travel Award. I mean, there's a list goes on. How do you stay focused as a solopreneur living out of your suitcase? I feel like, you know, there's all these conversations about, you know, work remote, but here you are thriving at it. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it is surreal to be recognized in, in that way from such awesome publications and communities in the travel space. And for me, the secret to staying focused, I think, is that I don't. Um, <laughs> I think it may look easy or it may look from the outside that things are just going super well in multiple areas all the time. But the truth is that if I'm excelling in one area of my business, um, I'm probably lacking in some area of my personal life. I probably haven't called my mom like I need to. Or if I'm exceeding in some area, um, you know, working with a brand or having great campaigns going on, my team probably hasn't been as such great communication with me um, to support them. So um, to stay focused, I really have to take things a day at a time and set really measurable KPIs, like results that I want from the things that I'm doing with the knowledge that it's a balancing act and that I will have to compensate and go back and, um, you know, put band-aids on the things that I missed out on because I am just one person. So I never want I, I never want to give the impression to anyone that I have everything handled. My systems are moving. I've hired the perfect amount of people for every project. Like, it is a balancing act, meaning it's 70-30 sometimes, it's 80-20 sometimes, and rarely is it ever perfectly balanced. Wow. And I love that transparency because I think when you're on social media, people see very curated and perfection, and the reality is um, anything that I look, it, all the awards come with major sacrifice. That's exactly it. Yep, they are not just toss at me for fun. I, I have worked for them and I'm I'm also sacrificing other things for them. And can you tell us how your business has evolved um, over time? Because I know that you mentioned like you being solo, but then also having a team. Like what are some uh, tips and tricks that you have uh, business-wise or just the evolution of your business in general? Yeah, I love that question. So for a long time, it was just me. Um, Really, when I quit my job to go full time was the beginning of 2020. Coincidentally, I think a pandemic happened at the same time. So it was uh, a lot going on in many perspectives. But the downtime from the start of the pandemic gave me an opportunity to look at my business, you know, take a step back and look at it holistically. And I saw the opportunity of time to start taking on some interns. So I'm chaotic. I took on 20 interns that summer of 2020, um, just having them do a few hours of work just to get to know them, start to build my own skills of leading a team and checking in with them on a daily basis, tasking them, following up on those tasks, things like that. I knew I wanted to develop myself and them at the same time. Um, so I literally worked with 20 interns. It was crazy of different time zones and countries. And by the end of it, I had a small team of two or three interns who I felt like really added a lot of value to the to the Paxlight team um, in a longer term circumstance. So they stayed on with me. And to this day, one of them, Taylor, is, call her my second brain. 
She is the backbone of Paxlight to this day. Um, she is my virtual assistant. She helps me so much with the things that I that fall through the crack for me. So for me, it was I don't know drinking out of a fire hose. Like that's how that's how I learn things is just like toss me into it and I'll like sink or swim and I had to swim through it. But if I had to give tips to someone who didn't want a such a chaotic way of bringing on a team, I would tell them as a solopreneur to write down the things that they do on a daily basis. Uh, do that maybe for three days, the, the tasks that you do on a daily basis and look at the bottlenecks. Look at what brings you down. Um, even if it's not difficult physically or time-wise intensively for you to do, what's bringing you down mentally that you just, it takes you a lot out of you to be able to do that and the energy would be better spent somewhere else. That's the first thing that you need to outsource because that's the bottlenecks on your efficiency, um, your reaction time, your productivity. Get those bottlenecks out of the way first and then you'll be able to hire for things that you could be doing better. Like maybe you do need a graphic designer who can make elevate your brand in that way, get the bottlenecks out of the way first, and then move on to, to optimizing. Yeah, I think that's a really great tip because, you know, when you are a creative person, I think, you know, there is a level of perfectionism that everyone has. Like you, you, you've built something, it's your brand, and then, you know, to pass that off to someone that might not have the same sort of Q&A that you have can be really difficult. But then if you don't, you you might not grow. <laughs> so it's sort of understanding, you know, where where can you bring in someone that can help you accelerate your business or might add a different skill set to enhance your brand, just like you said, because when you start, you know, building up the community, getting the notoriety, then enhancing your brand can also lead to more monetization opportunities. And so all of those things, you know, are super important in that stage of that climb from the nano macro mid-tier macro omega <laughs> yeah absolutely and i would say that the person who thinks that they can do it alone like you really if you try to do it alone it may be that perfect quality product that you're looking to create you will be able to do that on your own it will burn you out in the process and you won't be able to do it at a pace and scale that you know, is concurrent with social media, which is concurrent with a um, a small business in in digital. It's just not reasonable. And the sooner that you can kind of let go of that ego um, and recognize it as that and just let it go, you, like you can't do everything perfectly, that's the sooner that you'll grow. And you, you actually uh, touched on a buzzword that's been happening lately. It's a uh, burnout. But how do you mitigate stress and, you know, how do you deal with like mental health breaks and things like that? That's a really important question. And working with Gen Z, um, I'm thinking back specifically now to a conversation I just had with a fellow um, top voice next gen from LinkedIn. We're both in LinkedIn Creator, LinkedIn's Creator Accelerator program. Um, I just had a call with her and she's maybe just two or three years younger than me. And she's like, are you not tired all the time? I'm tired all the time. Um, she works a full-time job and she does the same amount of of notoriety that I have, she has, and she's working uh, to build her business and working full-time to sustain herself. And she was asking me the same question and I told her, um, automation, 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 
So the example I gave her was that, okay, how many times are you posting on social media a week? She said per platform, maybe five times a week. And I said, okay, how much of that content could be content that already exists, aka reusing the content that you have and scheduling that, automating that, or hiring a VA to just work a few hours a week to pull old content that performed well and putting on a different platform. You know, those are ways that you may not be actively engaging in the comment section with your audience and um, it may not be that deepest level of engagement, but it will keep your accounts, you know, good with the algorithm. It'll keep them moving. It'll keep you active while you um, have a busy week at your full-time job. Um, those are some of the tips that I use to do a lot of that foundational engagement and active work on social media where that's like 80%. And then that 20% I can work on and use my brain power to innovate, to try something new, to do a trend. You know, so balancing that, using software and, and hiring people who can help you balance that act. I would love to know, um, you know, what social media platforms are you loving right now? You know, it's a burnout. When I hear burnout, I think of algorithm <laughs> uh, and content not being seen. I would love to know where, where, where are you being seen right now? Um, where do you think... You have the most potential in 2023. Yes. Yeah. Thinking of burnout, um, I think of your ROI not being received or you just overextending yourself, your personal energy. So a place where I feel like I'm seen and kind of valued by the algorithm, the algorithm uh, gives me what I need from it is LinkedIn. Um, I feel like I don't go viral necessarily on LinkedIn, but the quality of engagement that I receive on the platform is extremely fulfilling and it leads to the actions that I need from it. So anytime I post on social media, I think of it as the top of my funnel and I want people to become deeper ingrained into my community and what I do and know who I am and things like that. So I think from LinkedIn, I feel like um, people are more likely to go to my website or are more likely to go follow me on other social media platforms or are likely to click on that link that I post. And so that's why I love LinkedIn. Um, I still am a TikTok girl, even though they're kind of acting up recently. It's tougher to be consistent on TikTok. <laughs> but I I do feel like I can create quickly and I can get an idea out of my head that might just be there. I can I can translate that into content most quickly on TikTok because it's uh, low production value. It can be. You don't have to highly curate it. You can just post a story these days or post a now and it can get great engagement. So I like the opportunity that's still on TikTok. And um, for that same reason, Instagram, same thing, acting up recently, but I still do enjoy it because I can repost content to the platform. And that's where I've had the longest um, community and the longest relationship is with Instagram. And it's still kind of the platform that I think most people hang out on and I can still rely on people to send me a dm and um because they saw a story they saw a post and really get engaged with me personally there so those are my top three platforms and i love you know instagram will always be relevant as a travel creator and i think you know with tiktok you had that article in july from um tech crunch about how you know tiktok's taking search volume away from Google that Gen Z is using TikTok a lot for search. I think, I mean, when I'm looking for a restaurant or I'm in a new city, the first place I go on is TikTok to see what, what are the bloggers, where are the travel creators, where are they saying to go? 
Um, I think that it has changed a ton. When I when I would used to go on Instagram and check the location tags, um, I think there is a little behavior pivoting happening on the platforms for sure. But I love that you said LinkedIn because you've been in all of the creator funds. Let's give a little shout out there, uh, which is tremendous. Talk a little bit about being in the creator funds, we the culture, Pinterest, LinkedIn. You know, what were those experiences like for you? And what would you say you got out of those programs to help uh, further grow your business? I really enjoyed being in um, the social media platforms, creator programs. I feel like it's a rare opportunity to get one-on-one -on -one time with the people that make these apps run um, from an influencer relationship perspective and also from a technical perspective uh, to be able to give product feedback and say, you know, the thing that absolutely kills me about TikTok is that I can't do this function. And then them write that down and be like, okay, we'll talk to our engineers. That's a really rare opportunity to give direct feedback to such you know, big companies like that. So um, for, I would say that each program was run extremely differently. And I, the first creator program I did was with Facebook. It was We the Culture. Um, that one was a year long partnership. And that one, um, I feel that it was on such a big scale that when it came to moving into a smaller creator partnership or program like LinkedIn's, which it was five people, uh, five Gen Z's on my team. It was much more intimate. And I, being able to be in both of those programs showed me the possibilities. Um, yeah, the possibilities of these programs. And even now, I think I went basically from 100 to zero on the scale of intensity and um, deliverables and stuff. And so now I'm like, oh my God, there's, there's so much in between um, that is an opportunity for other social platforms. I would love to be in more creator programs so I can have a larger breadth of experience and um, the biggest takeaways for me was actually from those programs was being connected with other creators and the community that I was able to build between other creators using in these programs. And I think that's such a good point because, you know, one of the things creators don't do enough of is connect. I think that, um, that, and that's so huge, like with the American Influencer Council, you really have your creator members as colleagues um and it's super important to have that network that you can dial into um just as you would if you were in corporate um it's just so key so i love that about the creator programs is that you have all of these unique points of view and um, perspectives coming together and all, you know, with an entrepreneurial mindset because everyone's, you know, has a strong brand and book a business. So it's super exciting. Yeah. And I think too, the strength in those programs is being across niches, being able to be in um, a TikTok creator program and talk to someone who's in fashion, who's in um, tech, who's in crypto. I'm like, I don't have no idea what's going on in crypto. So it exposes me to new information in a way that I think I can better my own content um, by being between niches and, and, you know, grow as a creator by seeing the possibilities. Yeah, it's really invaluable. One thing that I want to mention, because you speak about being invaluable, um, I think that your experience speaks volumes for who you are and, and the things that you've achieved during your time as a creator. 
Can you share a little bit about the resources that you have on your site and um, I guess tips for anyone that's looking into uh, solo travel or, you know, full-time travel? Yes, I love talking about travel. And if you get me started, you may not be able to get me to stop. Um, but I will just say the places to get started on my platform, I've created starter hubs for this exact purpose. Um, I have on my website, you can go to the homepage and it will lead you to these different starter hubs. So a starter hub for digital nomad um, lifestyle, what it means to be a digital nomad, my favorite products that I have that help me live this lifestyle on a daily basis. Um, some articles with tips like Reddit forums that I would join if you want to be a digital nomad or books that I would get. I've created all that as a starter hub because I know that if it if you find a word like that or you find an option like that in life and when it comes to travel, you're like, okay, how the heck do I get started? Like, what is my first step as a newbie? And that's why I created those hubs. So I have that for digital nomad lifestyle. I have that for solo travel. I have that for PTOs, which are what I call paid travel opportunities, scholarships and grants. Um, those are the landing platforms for you if you are just interested in dipping your toes in and knowing more. You have so many great resources and we'll definitely link to those in the in the show notes. And actually speaking of travel, um, what are some tips or how do you stay safe while traveling, especially as a as a solo traveler? I want to use travel as a way for women to empower themselves and feel like they have autonomy and just have a better quality of life through travel. And so the tips that I give kind of lean into them just having a good travel experience in general. So I always say before I go to a new destination as a solo traveler to find friends on the ground beforehand. I use Facebook groups. I've been in Facebook groups for a long time. I have a Facebook group. That's where I can know I can just find people quickly who are also interested in travel. So a few of my favorite Facebook groups include No Badness, Black Travel Movement, um, Solo Female Travel Network. I know I'm going to find other women who travel solo or, and enjoy travel and won't mind meeting up with me when I'm in their city. So I'll definitely make friends on the ground then, and then I'll get to grill them. I get to say, okay, what areas of this city should I go to? Which areas should I not go to? What are some things I need to know? And they can fill me in for the specific tips that I need for that destination. So that's my number one tip is make friends on the ground who live there. Um, and my second tip is to use social media. Use the influencers. If you search solo female travel now on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you're going to find a host of people. Um, so look do your research, look between their content, look for people who look like you and may are more likely to have an experience that you're likely to have and dig into their content, ask them questions directly. I know I'm an influencer, so I can say I will respond. Uh, just DM them, ask the questions, and they probably have resources that they've made on the same topics that they can send you to. Um, so those are my, my, my topest tips. Love Excellent. it. And the first thing you do when you get to any country... What would that be? I got to eat. I got to get a big <laughs> meal. I got to eat something local and I got to eat something quick. For sure. I love it. All right. Well, where can our listeners find you or your social? Like, I know, give us the handles. I hang out on social media at the same handle, every social media platform. It's at PaxLight, P-A-C-K-S-L-I-G-H-T. And most often you could find me on Instagram and TikTok. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Creators with Influence, Gabby. It's been a pleasure to have you on this uh, episode three of season two. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love the AIC. I love that these conversations are being had and to be able to participate in them is such an honor. So 
happy to have been able to share. We appreciate your thought leadership and to hear your story, which I think is really inspiring and all that you have achieved and still so much more to achieve. It's uh, um, even more uh, what I find to be, um, you know, a breath of fresh air and your energy and all of that good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. More to come. More to come always. Amazing. Well, Gabby, thank you for sharing your passion, your insight, your education, your history, and your talents with us. Of course. Thanks so much. Creators with Influence is produced by the American Influencer Council, the sole 501c6 not-for-profit trade association in the U.S. created by and for career creators.